Hello, everybody. This is the Friendly Bear Podcast, where we interview some of the best and brightest traders in the trading community. Listen to inspiring stories and nuggets of insight from current and future game changers in the trading space. Listen and learn as we explore all types of trading niches with some of the best in the industry from a Friendly Bear point of view. Make sure to check out the Friendly Bear Podcast new YouTube channel called Friendly Bear Research, which includes all the podcast video content and supplemental screen shares. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. With that being said, I'm your host, David, a.k.a. Reverse Long, and this is the Friendly Bear Podcast. Let's dive in. All right, guys, this is David, a.k.a. Reverse Long. I'm in the trade space. Uh, it's Saturday over here. It's the weekend, and I'm here with Adam Geffert. He's He trades right next to me in the desk next to me, and uh, it's cool to do the podcast now so we can go over some topics that we that you know came across during the trading day and you know they're, they're kind of interesting and fun topics and sometimes i make a note of it to go over it again for the podcast so here we are so uh, kate we're going to start with kspc which is the night scope company it just one ipo recently adam traded it very well um and we were as he was trading and we would have some dialogue because uh he would review the fundamentals and stuff and like say what the company is and i was like wait a second I know what that is. So like uh, Nightscope is like a robotics company of like robotic security guards and, and an Adam. That's the beauty about trading in person rather than like virtually or whatever. He can pull, he, he pulls up on his screens like the website of the company with these robots and the NASDAQ podium and stuff. And like uh, we're having like quick dialogue that you, you really can't do that without like outside of in person. So yeah. Um, you want to introduce Nightscope first, Adam, before we, we get into it? Yeah, sure. Um, I first heard of Nightscope when I saw it was, it was moving up on the screen. It, um, I saw it in the, in the pre-market, it was moving up, and um, I forgot which date that was exactly, but, you know, of course, it was recently, like a week ago. And then it, it, um, it, it started coming down a little bit, so I'm like, okay, interesting, I'm interesting movement. And then, and then look at it again until the end of the day, it went up into the close, and then it started going up in the, in the after hour a lot. And um, so I looked at it, I'm like, wow. And then you know, my, my buddy mentioned it, uh, who I was chatting with on, on WhatsApp. He actually um, got into their IPO. It was like a reggae IPO um, for retail investors. And, and he said he, um, that was like for 10 bucks. He said he got out of it like, like 10, 40, he made like 40 cents. And I checked it out, and actually on the IPO, it fell 40% on the day of the IPO from, from like 10 bucks to like 560 or something. So that tells me there's no support for the stock. There's no, no, no real value investors in the stock. And, uh, and the, the rise went, went in the after hours, it went to like you know, 26. And it, it, it was all, it was all a bullshit move. And my, um, during the day, my buddy who, sold it for 40 cents profit, he was part of the APO, he said, it's gotta be a good short at 25, because it closed that that day at like 16 bucks, and the after hours, it just went ballistic, it went to like, you know, 26 bucks in the after hours, and, I, and actually, I, I left, for some reason, I came home, and I saw I was there, I'm like, oh cool, here, it's at 25 bucks, so I started shorting it, um, and then I did more research on it, and I asked him, my phone, what he thought, he's like, oh, it's terrible, it's, you know, it's, uh, Security robots, and I looked at it, and, and this and the market cap was massive. The market cap was like um, fully diluted. It, it, 
It was like, uh, there's like 50 million shares outstanding, fully diluted with dilution. I mean, without, without fully diluted, um, you know, because that, that includes options in the future. But um, I'd say the outstanding shares are like 40 million shares. And, um, and then I did some research on it. And they just, the companies does terribly. I mean, they're, they're, you know, revenues are awful, like really, you know, tiny revenues. And what really caught me uh, to see how bad it was is that there was no growth between 2020 and 2021. And, and that really is pathetic because, you know, 2020 was the coronavirus, you know, year. So that's understandable if they had low revenues then. But then the, the 2021 is like the reopening year. You know, that's when, you know, everything's opening up again, the malls and every place is, you know, businesses are going nuts. Like technology is going crazy. Like everyone's bullish. So um, the fact that they couldn't increase the revenues in 2021 is, is really terrible. And so um, I just saw this. I just started shorting it, started accumulating it. And I'm trying to see where there was bar on my brokers. And I just kept shorting it. And um, what happened was... Uh, was it, it was um, the next day, okay, so this, this is a pattern that I've recognized, is that when, when a stock um, goes up all day and then moves up in the after hours, especially moves up in the after hours, it's gonna have a, a strong day next day, almost always. I've never seen it, unless they do like a big offering or something. But if a stock is that strong one day, it's gonna have some continuation, almost always. And, um, and it, it did fade in, the first day that I showed, the first day that it went nuts over 20, it did fade in the after hours. And then it, um, it faded, um, the next day it faded like the teens. And I was watching that and I had the mindset, okay, I'm just gonna hold this long-term like until it crashes, which should, I assume would only take maybe a week or two before it crashes again. And, um, but when you have that mindset, I'm gonna hold long-term, that's all the time the market gets you when you have that mindset. And um, so you should usually still have a trailing stop. And I do generally try to have a trailing stop in my, in my trades. And, um, and so the next day it, it fell down to like, I shorted a little more at like the 20s, like 22 or so. And then it felt like 16 bucks. So I'm like, cool, I'm good with this. You know, this is, I'm already way in the money, but I didn't think about it. I should have had that, that, the mindset of like, okay, this went nuts yesterday in the after hours. So this is going to go nuts today as well. And it did. It went from, it bounced from 16 to like the mid twenties again. And I was shit. Now I'm in the red again. Cause it actually went up to 27 the day after, you know, the day after the rally, it continued, it continued the rally to 27. Um, so I kind of chilled out on shorting a little bit. I chilled on it. And then I think, I think it was the very next day. Um, Barry, that's, that's my talk. Chilled out. Um, the, the very next day, um, the, it fell a little bit and then um, there was news there was a PR in the pre-market so it was definitely chilling out the next day the day after that so that's, that's day three so the first day okay well okay so there's a day of the IPO it fell 40% the first day it went up like 400% and then the day after that it, it was it was kind of strong but then it fell it kind of sold, it cooled off at the end of the day then the next day it was kind of selling off, you know, and I'm like, damn, I don't know if I can keep shorting this because now borrow opened up too. There's a lot more borrow with the brokers. So, um, so then the, the, the news came out in the morning, they put out a PR that they got to deal with the casino 
And uh, oh, by the way, the previous day to that, they had the, the Texas Roadshow, like the robotics roadshow, I think caused a little pumping too. But then the company still pumped it. You know, the, the day after that, they, you know, they had the casino um, PR, like, okay, they got a deal with the casino. No details at all. I mean, that's always something to look for is when there's no details at all in the PRs. They just said, oh, we have a deal with the casino. They didn't say how many robots they sold or anything like that. And, um, and then the, uh, the, the, that, that, so it popped like, like 21 and I was kind of shorting some more there. And then it started falling. And so I started um, kind of ramping up my position because I was like, okay, this could be it. This is it. Because I've seen this happen with other IPOs where they just fucking collapse because there's like a big seller in there. And so I just, I, I increased my position and then, and then I held it all the way till um, that day it did collapse. It, it just got, it just smashed. I mean, there was just constant sun for the whole day. And I don't know if people were waiting to sell that day or not, but um, there was definitely a big seller in there. Cause it was just, it was just, you know, got destroyed. It felt, it felt like 40% right the end of the day. And, and I covered a little bit. I covered about half my position at about twelve fifty, um, twelve dollars and fifty cents. Because my average was uh, was <clears throat> my average price was probably close to twenty, like nineteen or twenty. And, and, you know, because I lowered my average when I was shorting. Where I was going down, I shorted more like seventeen and sixteen. And so anyway, I covered half there. And then the next day. Um, there was a little action in the pre-market. I shorted, actually, I re-shorted so much, twelve fifty, and then I went to like eleven bucks. But that day, I covered the rest there because the borrow rate was was too big, like two hundred percent to hold. Yeah, you know when, when the borrow rate starts coming like that, it's like it's time to scale out of it now. You know, but I, I like the way you treat it as, as far as like. So I know on my end, I'm from my patterns and stuff, I look for on the short side. The market has been kind of slow because when it's more bearish, the market has been like bearish recently, there's less overextended stocks to short. So when you were nailing Nightscope, I think that was that was a really good move on your end because you understood that stock, you understand the fundamentals. You you you've recently last year at the the, the recent IPOs, you've been nailing those um, on the short side. So like when this one presented itself, it was good to size in. You know, it's like you got to be really selective uh, when the markets, at least the way I see it, when the markets are a lot slower from the shorts, when you when, when one good one presents itself, you got to really, you know, and you have really good conviction, you size into it, you nail it, you're really selective. Because, um, yeah, the way I see, you know, I would like to play like that to show up for me, like I'm really super high conviction and I'll just size into it and just uh try to nail it for you know because you got to be really selective in this market you can't it's not going to mean I, I haven't seen that many real solid plays that you like nice go but yeah in hindsight it looks yeah you know <laughs> it was way overextended and we were talking before about like the what the company is the company okay so a background they have these like robots like r2d2 from star wars but like the like the little kid toy version of R2D2 and like I remember like in California when I was living over there in, in Los Angeles there was this uh the malls downtown LA has some nice nice spots you know nice malls and everything really high end the thing is LA also has really like skid row and the homeless and the craziness of that and drugs 
it's really, really crazy how it is because like some of the best malls and stuff are, are in LA. So anyway, I would go and frequent a lot of the malls because I lived in downtown LA at the time in the financial district. And um, I would go to this mall right across the street and uh, there would be this robot moving around. I was very curious and I thought it was cute, you know, and I would go interact with it and press the button and then like a security guard would answer and the security guard would tell me, Oh, we're, this is a real robot. I was like, wait a second, this is, are you, what's, it, what's this robot going to do? People are like, there's drug addicts all around. <laughs> this robot's not going to stop them. <laughs> so, um, and then I asked another security guard, I was like, how much does this thing cost? Like, I, I didn't think it, honestly, when I saw it in person, I, the first thing, I was like, this, 500 to $1,000 max for this thing. That's, that's all my thinking was how much it costs. Then he told me, the security guard told me it was like $60,000. I don't know if that's true or not, but I was like, that's ridiculous. That's like, that's insane. And the only thing this robot was doing after every day me frequenting this place, I would go to the Starbucks there a lot in that mall. Uh, it was like an outdoor, indoor mall, because uh, if you look it up, it's called um, 7th and Fig, I think it is, the, the mall. But anyway, well, the, only, the only thing this, this robot would do was play with the kids, you know, that, when kids that came up to it. It wasn't doing anything. And then now, after the pandemic, uh, you have like homeless people and stuff interacting with it. I don't know, man. It's this this uh, robot did not look like it was the future. <laughs> I didn't see any uses. Oh, and then I was mentioning to Adam too. A lot of times, I would pass by because I would go here. I would pass by this outdoor mall all the time. Really, really nice mall, outdoor indoor mall. So anyway. The, the robot sometimes would be stranded like in certain places. And then I would, I would go and, I made it a habit to go up to the robot and press the buttons. Every time I saw it, I was just like, you know, why not? Uh, and uh, a couple of times it just stranded, it's just dead. It, it just ran out of battery. It couldn't make it to us. It had like a charging pad and it couldn't make it back. And I guess this is a, a common occurrence because Adam, after doing research, you're saying like this robot doesn't even doesn't even function properly. You can't even reach the charging pads, you know. So that, you know, and uh, it's just uh, <laughs> and, and it's expensive too. I heard. I heard it costs like eight, eight grand a month. I mean, you you, you could hire a security guard for less than eight that. grand a month. So you get a yeah, eight yeah. for the, for like the, the membership or whatever. Just to rent it and just to subscribe right. it. I mean, eight grand a month. It's like that's a lot of money. And you know, I, I saw something too where it's like um, from the young the young Turks, a little YouTube video where they're like. Robots harassing the homeless, and uh, and basically somebody there's like oh, too many homeless around, so somebody hired the robot to go um go around and get the homeless people out of there, and it's like man, because the guy the guy the CEO says it's different from like a camera. A camera is just there up there um, filming everything. There's no authority there. There's no like presence. It's just a camera. But the robot is like presence, like get out of here, you know, kind of thing. And it's so that's supposedly the 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 idea to get the home the robot you know that, that's funny you mentioned it so in, in downtown LA I use it as an example because downtown LA has like all this stuff coming out of Silicon Valley and all this new stuff and because of like the especially the financial district so I saw also when Lime scooters came out and uh, all the all the scooters Bird all this and the homeless in downtown because like downtown in LA like you cross over Main Street like half a few blocks over, you got Skid Row. So all those Skid Row stragglers and stuff, they would <laughs> come by and they would take the scooters and they'll take them back to Skid Row and like dismantle them and spray paint them another color. 
so you couldn't tell that it was a bird scooter or whatever. Now it's their scooter. And they would yeah. use it without the machinery, they can use it like a razor scooter, kind of like manual. So anyway, these guys are not scared of this robot. <laughs> if they saw this robot, I can imagine they probably spray paint it or like kick it over, <laughs> put it upside down, you know? <laughs> it's not gonna, you know, it's it's just not, I don't know, it's, it's not uh, practical. But uh, yeah, to see that stock go from 10 bucks IPO to 26, what, was it a low flow? <laughs> Yeah, at first it was, but no, no, it went from ten dollars to six dollars, and then it, then to twenty six. Oh, yeah. So it's, yeah, it sold off forty percent on the the IPO. That's what makes it even more crazy. And, yeah, and made it a pretty easy play because if there was, I mean, you can look at it too from a technical standpoint. If there was real value there, I think there would have been more support at ten bucks on the first day of the IPO. Uh huh. I see. Yeah. So you know when when um KSPC when I first saw it on my on my radar. Uh, I didn't know it was the robot company. If I would have known, I probably would have shorted because I'm so like I saw this robot thing is not gonna work. But um, as to see it just flying high like that, I was like I'm staying away because like this recent IPOs where I saw it was like there's no resistance above because like it's brand new, it's blue skies. So you know, but in hindsight, uh, you know this one I think SOPA SOPA and a couple others like they just. AERC, AERC, they kind of pop up and then they just fade, they just massively dump. So something to look for. But uh, another company, all these these shit codes. Uh, we got RDBX. Did, did you train yeah. RDBX? Yeah, Redbox. Yeah. Redbox. Yeah. <laughs> Total joke, man. I that company. They um, they they're about to go bankrupt, and then they did they did the the um the spec. So um, to get you know just to get some more funds, so they wouldn't you know, just to keep the lights on. Late last year, and um, they, they they were yeah only a few a couple months ago. And it was funny is um I actually traded traded on there on the IPO or you know the, whatever you call it SPAC IPO, and um yeah it was like at twenty bucks and then I shorted it yesterday at like two dollars and fifty cents. Yeah, you know I, I when I saw RDBX recently there hasn't been like a crazy amount of top gainers in the day so like I'm like looking anything that pops up a certain percentage I'm looking and RDBX I'm like what is it? What, what is this and I look at the chart <laughs> from like October last year it had this massive run for like one day and then just straight down and um, now we're like wait a second that's Redbox so Redbox is is a like in California again the way I saw it, it was like they have these kiosks outside of 7-Eleven and then uh, you go and, and get the DVD, a DVD, a physical DVD, and you rent it. But anyway, um, these things were so dirty, and uh, throughout the pandemic, like everyone's really uh, like germaphobic, and, and uh, you know, with all the pandemic stuff going around, and uh, you would have like homeless people gathering around this red box. <laughs> I saw, you know, outside of Seven Eleven, and right because it's at the front door, and they'll beg for money. And then the red box thing will be all dirty. So like, why would you? Uh, no one really uses these things anymore. You can do Netflix from your own home or Amazon or whatever Hulu or whatever it is. But um, it's just very, very, you know, so sketchy how they went public through a SPAC, not even like the regular route, through a SPAC just to get funds because they're going bankrupt and they want to stay on the market. Well, I guess they just want to milk their their stock is basically a vehicle. To keep their company afloat, they're just printing money out of this. Yeah, I, I didn't realize though how bad a shape the company was in. Like, I, I just traded it briefly on their IPO, but I didn't realize how much debt they had. 
they had like um, 360 million in debt. And then the, the, the reason why recently the company crashed, um, a couple of days ago, it fell 50% in one day because they, they put an 8K saying, we've, we've, we had to borrow the rest of our credit line. So they have no, they have no credit line. I mean, they borrowed all they can. They maxed out their credit line. And that's just terrible. And if you look at the name, even look at the name of the company, okay, like compared to Netflix, Netflix means Netflix, like movies on the web, right? On the internet. The name of Redbox, Redbox is like a box where you get these views from. It's a physical box, yeah. And they might have some other things going on. I mean, I don't really know the depths of their business. You know, they got like productions, they're making movies, whatever, but their main business is the Redbox. And that's what's going to fail, and that's what's going to take them um, take them under. They're going to go, I think, they're almost guaranteed to go bankrupt. I mean, there's no, I mean, can you think of any miracle that would keep them alive? No, but well, you know, it's it's crazy. Is uh, the news that came out that put them like over twenty five percent on the day? I think it hit thirty percent on Friday. Is that they maxed their credit line? Is that correct? No, 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 no. See, they it fell fifty percent the previous day. Oh, so because they maxed their credit line. Bouncing. I think it was just like a dead cat bounce. A dead cat bounce. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't because I didn't see any news yesterday on it. But uh, no, I don't see a future unless it. I guess the bull case for that would be they're hoping Netflix can acquire them and then change the direction of Redbox or Amazon or something. I don't know. Or just the hope for like a Hail Mary like that. It's kind of like Blockbuster, you know, uh, they had a ch- I think they had a chance to purchase Netflix or something. Oh, yeah. Back in the day, they had one insolvent, you know. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's kind of like that. It's kind of just got to run its course. Uh, you know, I, I was, it's like a red box. I guess they, they I don't know, they got to rebrand and do everything. I, I don't know. But to see the chart of the company, they went through a SPAC. They've gone straight down. They maxed their credit line. So this is also run by, by people that, that are, they're just trying to milk this thing all they can. And, you know, and they're going to have to declare bankruptcy eventually. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, the next one. Okay, so SDC, Smile Direct Club. We're going to, you traded that one? Yeah, see, I think this one's um, a really good short as well. Um, Hindenburg Research did a report on this, I think a couple of years ago on it. And then, it, and then it crashed there, but now it's like towards the lows. But the thing with these companies, it's like they, they just they have so much debt. I mean, um, SEC and Redbox, they both, they both have so much debt that the company is just going to um, collapse like on its debt load because they're not making any money. Um, you know, there's, there's all these problems with the products and they have all these like litigation against them. And um, it's just recently they, they put out these PRs that are total pump PRs. Like one of them was just mentioning like now they're gonna have like a whitening thing. Like there's already a ton of products out there that do that, that whiten the teeth. And then they put out another PR um, saying, uh, oh yeah, this, this, is, this is what the PR that I looked at that I think is not, is not bullish news. Uh, it's actually bearish is that they're, um, they're gonna stop production in, in a bunch of different like, um, smaller countries and they're just going to focus on like Canada, the US and I think Britain or a couple like bigger country countries and it's like they're just going to they're stopping business in all these third world countries and even like second world countries and, and that's to me that's bad news that's not good news because they're going to have to um, you know cut all the business there like all the work that they've done in those countries are going to get like just a waste now they're just going to have to wind down all those other countries and that's gonna that's gonna cost millions to do that 
And um, in another country, uh, company did the same thing. Um, shoot, I'm trying to think of it. Oh, Conformus, CFMS. They did a similar thing where they're like, okay, we're, we're going to stop trying to sell this. They did, they have like uh, 3D printing uh, knee replacements and are like more, more, I guess, more uh, specialized knee replacements, you know, for the person. And it, they're, they're the company's just a complete failure and they did the same thing. We're going to, they're like, okay, we're just going to stay in the U.S. We're going to stop trying to sell it in other countries. And that didn't help. The stock is like at all-time lows right now. Yeah, it's crazy. So you mentioned, okay, the first thing, Smile Direct Club. Uh, actually, I have experience with them. So the time Hindenburg wrote the report is when I first started like to really get into trading. And, uh, and I actually had an SEC kit at the time. And uh, so at the time... I, I needed a solution for, for like to straighten my teeth because um, I had braces when I was a kid and I saw how much that cost for my mom. It, it was a lot of money. It was, and then like I didn't do the retainer stuff. You know, when you're young, you're not responsible. You, you don't want to wear the retainer all the time. Then my, my teeth shifted all through my 20s. And, and up until that time, I used Smile Direct Club. So when I first saw them, I was like, wow, this is actually a good solution. I forgot how much it was. I think it was like 2500 bucks. Or something like that for a period of two years, and you have to wear the the, the kit um, like ten hours a day. You can't drink coffee, and I drink a lot of coffee, so like that was a problem. I was like, I don't know how this is gonna work. And then, so they made me take the photos of my with my phone, like a three D view, and then they they print they I guess they three D printed it and they sent it to me in the mail, and they fit all weird, you know. It was like scraping my gums. It was, um, and then I had to wear it for 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, so this is, this was not going to work. I drank a lot of coffee and it, it would melt the, the plastic if I drank with a uh, hot temperature. So anyway, the, the Hindenburg thing came out just like two months into this whole Smile Direct thing. And, uh, and it even had like a class action attorney that you could contact on the Hindenburg report. And I contacted that, that attorney and I signed up and at the time actually, um, they were going to go through with this. And I don't know, I lost contact with it. But but yeah, there was a lot of flaws. And then another company showed up, Candid, and like two other competitors showed up. And they actually offered like whitening already. This is like two or three years ago, maybe more, three or four years ago. I forgot. But uh, they are, those companies, and I regret it. I was like, man, those companies offered it. And I think they're a little bit cheaper too. They offered it with whitening, and I didn't get whitening, and all that. <laughs> oh, and they offered, I think their material was stronger, so you had to wear less hours than this one, than the Smile Direct, and then, like, it was not going to work. So, anyway, this whole this whole printed molding teeth thing through an app and all that, it really doesn't work. It really messed up my gums at the time, and I decided not to, to do it anymore after, like, a couple of months. Um, I went another route. I went another route uh, to fix my teeth and all that it was way better. I could have just saved my money. Okay, so actually it wasn't even that much money because, uh, no, I, yeah, actually I, I, pay, I paid it. But a lot of people, they get, they got Smile Direct Club and they use it for a couple of months and then they don't pay it. So Smile Direct Club sends them the whole kit of a 12, 18 month kit, all this printed stuff, all this. And then some people that they don't like it after a couple of months, they're not gonna pay it anymore. And then like Smile Direct Club's got, you know, what, what happened to the, 16 other months of um of payments they're not gonna get it because no one's gonna I, I have yet to meet in person or at least someone that's really gotten like their teeth fixed through this maybe they advertise it I, i've never heard of anyone i don't know if you have you know so i've heard of invisalign like i've used invisalign and that helps but 
Nothing but smiles direct love. Yeah, see, Invisalign, you know, they, they use it, from what I understand, a different material. They actually have a dentist go in there and make some molds. These are like, they're creating those molds from like a scan of your mouth or your phone. So I don't know, it's, it's maybe in the future the technology gets better, just like with the robots. I mean, it would be kind of cool. I have a robot going around doing all the work instead of security guards, but in reality, it's not there yet. You know, it's, it's like it's like a Google Glass when it first came out. It was like 10, 15 years too early. You know what I mean? Now people are talking about the metaverse and the Oculus and all this kind of stuff. But Google Glass was there like 2008 or whatever it was. And like, no one, you know, no one used it, you know. So like these things got a long way to go. The especially, you know, I smiled directly. And now now they have, now they can't even go in other countries. I guess you know. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Anything else you want to say about that one? No, that's probably good for now. I think I mean I think all three of these are good long term shorts. Like as long as the um, bar rate doesn't stay high. Like I got I got a short book that I'm adding. Um, SDC and R RDBX. I have a short book like. 20 different stocks that are just good to hold long-term as a company just basically runs out of cash and the stock just keeps going lower and lower. And um, I think uh, they're, they're great additions to any short portfolio. Yeah, long-term. Just, uh... <laughs> okay, uh, and then another topic that came up recently. Um, so I was in Guatemala to close the year and then I went over to El Salvador. And... Um, Hey Barry, how are you doing? He's like, he's saying hello. The Adam's dog. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, and then um, I went over to Guatemala and I got I made a podcast about the big the big whole Bitcoin thing over there that you want to check out if you can if you want to. I think it's the first one to start the year in season two of the podcast of the Guatemala Bitcoin. So you know a lot of things were said because Bitcoin has been crashing a lot lately and. The El Salvador president, Nayib Bukele, was actually accumulating Bitcoin towards the highs. And at the highs, when it was approaching the 50s and 60s, everybody's excited about it, you know? And then he's buying it, he's like, and people are liking it. So, you know, we were talking about how, like, when the crowd is is happy about it, it's like, that's usually not the time to buy. You want to buy it when, when, when the crowd is quiet or not happy about it. But how can... So, but like if he were to buy the Bitcoin when it was not popular in the 20s and 10s and 30s, people would be like, oh, he's buying this stuff. Oh my God, what was he thinking? And well, the, 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 that's the thing. It's like in order to be elected in politics, like you have to do what's popular right now in the moment. And um, if you if you start liking something that's ahead of its time, you're not going to get elected. You're not going to get the president job. But that's why um, investing is different from politics. Because in politics, you you want to you know make sure that you everyone likes you, but with investing, you don't necessarily want to invest in something when everybody likes it. You want to invest in something when everybody doesn't like it. So he's mixing politics with with investing, and that's already it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, you know, and um, that reminds me of the PHUN. Remember they were they were potting out that they bought Bitcoin at sixty thousand. Yeah, you know, and then, and then now, investor. yeah, you know, and it's, it's, that's the thing. So yeah, that was an interesting comment that you said with that. So so what what should happen? Then? Just keep Bitcoin out of politics? I mean, well, I think at this point, um, El Salvador uh, has to do something that's innovative. I mean, maybe they're doing something that allows people to 
to buy buy things with Bitcoin, and maybe that's going to um, help their the country. I, I don't know, but I think they got to do some. They got to have some sort of an end game here. They got to have some sort of a plan. Like, what's going to happen? How is it going to going to improve the economy of, of El Salvador? I mean, like here in Puerto Rico, you know, they cut taxes a lot. Or they they have a certain plan where you don't pay any capital gains tax. You know, I think El Salvador needs some solid plan. Maybe they could do that, or maybe for for people that move to the country don't pay any taxes. They, they gotta have some sort of a a plan that that's gonna help their country instead of just buying Bitcoin and saying, okay, you can use Bitcoin to buy a you know pizza. Or, you yes, know, actually, yeah, they could buy pizza. Pizza. So when I was there, I, I I learned that the president he's starting a Bitcoin city. Did I tell you about this? It's so. near the volcanoes, and they're going to use the hydrothermic energy to power up the Bitcoin mining and and the electricity. And yeah, stuff. That, that's that's silly on its own. I mean, mining, and it's going to be no taxes. It's going to be like oh uh, yeah, okay. No, no employee taxes. Like no business tax. No any taxes. Tax, oh, that's tax good. Free. That's good. So let's see. You know, but the thing is, I think what what he's trying to do is now since he's stuck holding the bag of Bitcoin, I think he's just averaging down. And which is not going to be popular in a super poor country, is that now they got to hope that Bitcoin jumps up fast to above their average in order for this guy to like, because people are going to get pissed. You know what I mean? The Salvador, when I was there, it was dirt poor. Oh, yeah. You know? So like me spending the last little money they have on a Bitcoin price is falling. Imagine Bitcoin goes to 15 or to 10, 10,000. Well, going to be crushed. Uh, yeah, so it's it's insane. The country's going to be crushed. Yeah, exactly. And it's already dirt poor. And he, already, yes, yeah. dirt, dirt poor, dirt poor. And uh, there might be some revolts or something. Who knows? I don't know, man. Because, like, yeah. He, he might even lose his job as president. Yeah, Bitcoin crashes. His, his job pretty much hinges on Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, exactly. And if, if he puts more money into it, then it's, you know. But anyway, um, and then a couple other small topics. Um, which one do you want to tackle there? Well, I think this is interesting to talk about um, the, the cutting losses intelligently versus quickly. Um, I think intelligently is um, is maybe to a point where um, you take you take a lot of different things into, into account. Like, uh, um, is is it following a pattern that's going to uh, have? I mean, let's say, for example, if we're shorting it, like we, we short most of our stocks. Like, if it's Going up, maybe look at it and say, okay, is this a pattern where it's going to keep going up? Maybe I should get out. Instead of just um, mindlessly having a stop loss, think about, um, you know, maybe you're, you're not in the right trade. Maybe it's not a good trade. And then, and then stop out because of that. Or another thing, too, it's like, because um, we, we shorted, um, you know, PRVB too early. I, I thought this isn't a good trade. And um, well, it went against me a lot, and I took a big loss on it. But... Um, because I took a big loss on it because I had an oversized position because I, I had too big of a position in it. When it wasn't like as bad of a shitco as other stuff we shorted. And so it rebounded, rebounded. And another thing, of course, is the, uh, the macro factors like uh, IBB, XPI, the biotech indexes were going bounced off the low after selling off a lot. And that, that pulled up a lot of bio turds like this one. But the fact that I that I you know decreased my actually I got out of the whole position of a loss and I took a big loss, but it turned out to be good good because I, I shorted KSPC with that money. That that, yeah, 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 the opportunity cost. Like the PRVB was um was taking up my capital and and so it was intelligent to 
cut it and put it into something that was a much better return. Absolutely. Um, and I, I agree completely with that, you know, so a lot of times, you know, they say cut losses uh, quickly and as, as a short seller, I mean, the way we trade, we, we give it a little time to play out. Like, for example, BTCS was running crazy and Bitcoin was dropping insanely. And, uh, I, you know, I realized there's a short squeeze going on, so I gave that a little more time to come down. But like, if I were to cut that quickly, that would have... Um, that would have been a, a, an unnecessary loss because the overall picture within a couple of days was that this thing is going to settle down. So sometimes um, having the bigger picture in mind and why the stock went up was it a short squeeze? Was it um? Is it, it you know is is the news warranted? Is there does it have dilution? Like does it not have dilution? Like PRVB, I think you were saying that's like a. a a different company is more like a, a, a better of a company than like a pure turd because it had like um the market cap was huge it had like some investors in the in the filings that were real players or you know they had good earnings or they have cash on hand you know so things like that so so that one you, you want to get out right so or like i remember like extn that one had an acquisition or a potential acquisition so and when the, when the acquisition happens, they usually tend to settle at that new level. So, like, it's not going to come down. So that one, I had to, you know, cut it right away. Like, I, I took a trade on that one, and I, I cut it for that. I, I made a mistake uh, to short it on an aqua, on a, some kind of, oh, a merger, a merger. And, uh, yeah, I had to take it. But, yeah, I, you know, I think I think um, for the way we trade, the cutting, cutting losses intelligently, it's, it's more like a discretionary kind of thing because a systematic trader would just cut it, cut it. Like it hits a certain price, you cut it. But you know, it's, it's like a trailing stop. Sometimes you let the thing trail and it, it jumps up uh, for a second and then you get stopped out and it keeps going down. So it's like, I don't know, I think it's just like, depends on your personality and the way you trade. Um, for, for us though, it's, it's, I think it makes a lot more sense to cut it intelligently. You know, especially for you, you got yeah. a more experience than I have, so you've seen. Yeah, here's the thing: you have to be intelligent. It's good thing you mentioned that BTCS because that one's when I should have cut it earlier. I did cut it, and I took a big loss on that one. But the thing is, okay, so that one was going up when Bitcoin was dropping. Now, the thing with with trading, which which I, I realize, but it's easy to forget, is that if a stock is doing something that um, it shouldn't do, that's that's a red flag that it, it's probably going to keep going in that direction. Because there's some other force that's holding it up, and with BTC, it's like I was shorted, and um, I I saw Bitcoin was coming down, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna short more of this because it's, it's should come down with Bitcoin. But since it wasn't going down, that should have been the you know the the tell to cover your position at a small loss. But instead, I held on, and then I took a bigger loss. Um, but if I would have held on to it longer, I would have taken an even bigger loss because it went it went it had a crazy short squeeze. On there, so um, that's something I always remember. Like if a stock is acting like it shouldn't, you know, it, it's acting in a way different than it shouldn't, you should probably you know, get, get out of it, or it'll probably keep going in, in, in that direction, even even if you don't, don't expect it. Yeah, you know, there was another force holding that up, and in, in hindsight, yeah, that's if you add to that one and you're you're oversized, yeah, you got to cut it. So like that one, uh, cutting losses quickly. You know, if, if you're oversized into something, you, you have too much conviction and then it's all of a sudden it starts to flipping, 
flip even more against you. It's it's just uh, you want to cut that faster than usual. So that's what you did, right? So no, I didn't. No, you didn't. No, no, I I cut it um, after it already went way. I took my max loss on it. Um, I I could have cut it a lot a lot earlier. Oh, than okay. that. Yeah, you know those those low floats. I forgot what it was, like nine million float. Someone could just like, or a group of people could accidentally buy up the float, and now the float is technically what's publicly traded is a lot less. Because like that one made absolutely no sense. Bitcoin was was tanking. The whole crypto was tanking. You all these crypto people were quiet. They're all losing their ass. And then Bitcoin, uh, what do you call it? BTCS. Oh, they came out. Oh, this was the crazy part. They came out with the Bitcoin dividend, the dividend, <laughs> and it was a five cents uh, dividend if you hold it till March. Well, the news was ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it was up because of the news. It, it must have just been up yeah. for, for other reasons. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that that news was um, a great short on the news, but then it held up. I think for those other yeah. reasons why I was saying the short yeah. squeeze, not just from the news. Yeah, yeah, the short squeeze yeah. was tremendous on that one. Yeah. But um, but yeah, okay. So that that about wraps it up. I think um, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool. Yes. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening to the Friendly Bear Podcast. We'll catch you guys later. Yep, have a good one. That concludes today's episode. Make sure to like and subscribe to the channel on the platform you use. The Friendly Bear Podcast is hosted by me, David, where you can find me on Twitter at reverse underscore long. You can find the Friendly Bear Podcast at www.thefriendlybearpodcast.com as well as on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, Amazon Music, and now on YouTube at Friendly Bear Research. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Friendly Bear Podcast.